Welcome to Not Just Talk Radio, a modern-day movement offering a platform where real talk and new perspectives are transformed into action and evidence. Your host is LaTanya Jr., along with co-hosts Tina Wynn and Tony Brown. LaTanya is known for her unconventional brilliance and humanitarian scope of interest. They're ready to share both wit and wisdom. Now, here is LaTanya, Tina, and Tony. Hey, Tony. Hey, Tony. Welcome to the show, Not Just Talk Radio. How are you? Hi, LaTanya. I'm good. How are you? (laughs) Happy Wednesday. I know. I had coffee this morning. I'm ready to go. I'm still sucking down my coffee. You know, I'm going to catch up with you. I have coffee, orange juice, Fig Newtons. I'm ready. I need energy. I need energy because we have an outstanding guest. We have a legend. Yeah, we sure do. We sure I need do. a real legend. I know. And so while everyone sort of get their teeth around, I have to make sure that I, I hope the Facebook listening audience is completely um, involved because they don't want to miss this. But first, I want to, you know, we let's warm up a little bit and let's talk about what what what's going on this week in the news with you? What's what's happening? We haven't spoken uh, about what's happening in the news. We've chatted, but we haven't spoken. Yeah, um, a lot going on. I, um, you know, kind of keeping up probably like the rest of the world watching people's uh, Amazon and Christmas packages getting stolen (laughs) (laughs) from their front porches. It's really a, a sad, you know. Sad oh. situation. I'm laughing, but it is really sad. It's pretty bad. I mean, you know, I have my, I have my ring. Me so, too. You know, me too. I have the ring. Don't let me find you in my video. I know. We're talking about the ring doorbell. Uh, in yeah. case you you don't have yeah. one. around my- the world in America here, we have to put video cameras on our our doorsteps to be, make sure that people try to behave. Mm-hmm. But isn't that interesting? How video? I mean, we have movies and videos. Who would have ever thought? that video would be influencing our personal lives outside of the big screen, right? Right, exactly. What about exactly. it? Never thought about it. Well, let me tell you what's really cool that I think it's going to, we're going to probably j- chime in on this conversation because uh, Mr. Tim Reed and I have had a long conversation about the economy and what's happening around the world and opportunities. And I can't wait until he share this uh, portfolio of his work, but what he's doing, because let me tell you, you're talking about just brilliant. I can't wait to share it with the world, but did you watch the Vice special presentation on panic, the downturn in 2018 and I mean 2008 and if they didn't, we were like eight hours away from going into a third world country if it was not for the bailout. Mm-hmm. And I found it educational and fascinating in another part of history that we must, we'll, we will always remember you know, the Great Depression and 2008. And while Americans, you know, you and I have talked about this, mm-hmm. were shopping online and doing what they do and kicking and screaming and complaining. The fact is, without that bailout, we also made money from those corporations. We would not probably be having the conversation we're having now. How long would it have taken for America to bounce back? Or, you know, I'm a fan on economics. You know that. You know I love right. strategy. Right. We talk about that all the time. We talk about it all the time. Sorry, listening audience. It's my it's my sexy. Business mm-hmm. is my sexy. And and so if anyone haven't watched the program special, it's on HBO. You can go in. It's on demand. Educate yourself. Know what the world's doing and how to do it. And many people say, I don't like the business part. I'm sorry. You're going to have to know some of it. In order to be, you know, to be sustainable, you got to bite some of it. Be in control of your lives. It helps you make great decisions. How about that? Well, Joe Carter, 
You know where Jill Carter is. She in yeah, China. Jill's in China. So. She's texting me. My phone <laughs> keeps dropping. The system keeps dropping. So Voice America, we're going to try to get her. I know um, I know Jill really thinks she's like <laughs> it, you know in distance to us like she's in New Jersey or Florida or not but she's in she's in China. I told her to move to China. I told her 2 years ago. I was like when you go somewhere else I will show up. But I am not hanging out with you there. I mean it just I mean visit but you know come mm-hmm. on China. But, you know, I need a couple of shout outs. And I want to give a shout out to Chris. And Chris works on a lot of stuff for me behind closed doors on the on the radio network. And uh-huh. Chris in Ohio, you kicking some butt. Thank you. Get the rest of the work to me. I'm looking for it. <laughs> but love Chris and wanted to make sure I, I, I gave her a shout out. And so many other people, Michelle Hughes, that helps me brainstorm um, with the show every year. I mean, every week. And so thank you. But l- I want to jump into our guest. Is there anything you want to chat about before I jump into this wonderful? No, because wonderful. I I think we should give him as much time as possible because he's yep. got a lot going on we want to hear about. So let him have the floor, I think. And and I totally agree. So l- let me let's let me just sort of lay the platform out for you. As you know, we had Tom Dreesen, um, our Harvey hometown Tom Dreesen, um, on on last week. And Tim and Tom was the first white and black, some people say salt and pepper comedy team. And they often say the last um, that came together, especially the last during that particular important generational um, time frame. We know because that 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 history's over. But when I deep dived into Tim and Tom's The American Comedy of Black and White, if you have not read this book, and it takes a minute because I ordered it. It took me about 10 days, and Smokey Robinson says some things, and David Letterman, and Nikki Giovanni, and Tavis Smiley, if you read the back. This is really a wonderful book. And when you read the life experience of Tim Reed, there is absolutely no excuse why you cannot dust yourself out, off and reinvent yourself and figure out who you are and live in that space. But I have to tell you people, get this book. Um, it is so wonderful. And Mr. Tim Reed's story, because when you look at him, he looked like he's worth like $10 billion, right? It's like, look at him. He is just been perfect. You know, what a perfect life. If only I can have a perfect life. He has taken every part of his journey, literally from his birth to Catholic school, his mama kicking the nuns, but read it, read about it. It's a great story. Um, you know, uh, all the way through this path and then connecting with Tom Dreesen, but he's taken every crumb of his existence and it's clear that he has defined who he is, know who he is and his attributes and contributions he's given to us. I cannot, I mean, we, we're, he, let's just, let's just start with what he's done in television as a, as a quick blink. You know, we all know him clearly. Uh, everybody would, would, um, say all the time, WKRP in Cincinnati, you know, he was the Venus flytrap. But prior to that, just think about this. He's been on What's Happening, Maude, The Richard Pryor Show, Rhonda, um, That's My Mama. I could go on and on and on. Simon and Simon, Benson. Then he did The Frank's Place. And and he's worked with Stephen King. And, and, and it just goes on. And then, of course, as you know, he's an uh, Emmy-nominated actor. We've seen him recently on my favorite current show, Greenleaf. Let's not yep, for Greenleaf. Girl, mm-hmm. is that... I mean, it's so good. I really think in my brain, um, I wonder what they're doing. That's right. how... <laughs> When it's mm-hmm. off the television, you know, uh, when it's not on, I'm like, I wonder what they're doing. 
Yeah, yeah, you know, sometimes we have um, this idea that this individual or people are only on television and other than that, they don't do anything else. And that's a misnomer, especially in this case. He's busy. busy. No, he's very busy. I now, mean, you, he's you know, you have not mentioned the name yet. Is, is that you're keeping us? Well, I mentioned. No, I, I opened think you up with. It, right? I you did. Tim, you said it. I did. Okay. I said Mr. Tim okay. Reed, and okay, Emmy good. nominated actor and director and producer, and and it just goes on and on. We know him from Sister and Sister. He is in love with um, the the African diaspora, making sure the story is told properly. And you know, you and I are fans of documentaries. That's that's what oh, we yeah, do. We love, we that. love we just that. talked about that a minute ago. We love that. Um, he's uh, non for profit is Legacy Media, um, and then I think about what would have happened if they didn't connect in the town I was born in, and the town my father was reared in, in Harvey, Illinois, when the JCs, this little organization that did a lot for bringing the community together, Tom Dreesen and Tim Reed, um, did something magical that helped. Um, changed the trajectory of both of their lives. But clearly, when, after you read the book and read, you know, do some research about Mr. Tim Reed, you'll realize every challenge in his life and instinct he used as a, as a, a strategic placeholder for moving the dynamics of who he is. And that's the experience we want the world to really know about. Everything we go through, we can use it, right, to transform our lives, our community lives, empower your nation, your, you know, I mean it. You know, I'm a big fan of that. So I'm going to shut my mouth because I know Mr. Tim Reed is listening. And I would like to say it is an honor for all of us here at Not Just Talk, um, and we share you with 150 countries. Mr. Tim Reed, welcome to Not Just Talk Radio. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'll I, I tell you one thing. I want to meet this guy you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> that is, you know, That's I t- hysterical. It is, it, it, that is, yeah, you know, we, I, I said Emmy Award winning actor, director, producer. I don't know why in his bio it didn't say, and renowned comedian. <laughs> because... That is a magical piece of it. Um, and I won't even get into all the honorary degrees and, and, and all the stuff you're doing, because we'll get into more of what you're doing. But first off, thank you for um, for taking time out. And thanks, of course, Tom Dreesen, for connecting us. <laughs> and, and you and I have had conversations like, I'm sorry, I'll shut up. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, last time I saw you, I think you were like eight or nine. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, when I tell people, people would say to us as I, I was kids, I said, you know, we lived in Harvey, but what you didn't know, there were celebrities stopping by all, you know, quite often, often enough. And, and they would go, and Harvey, I said, honey, Harvey was the bomb. It was the place to be. Uh, and a lot of amazing things happened. Yes, it did. And thanks to your, your father, um, uh, my career was given a boost at the time we needed it. And uh, I learned a lot from traveling with the Dells and your father and, and the discussions and watching his show. I don't think he's one of the few entertainers that I've ever been around that I watched every performance. When I, when we finish opening for them, you know, most people go back to their dress room. I would get off on the side and watch their show. I mean, what an incredible group of entertainers and, and a wonderful show to watch. 
You know, it was some good times, wasn't it? Um, it yeah. was. It's hard for me to share those stories with people because it's something you, it's an inside story. It's a feeling yeah. in us. And so often they said, Tiny, you talk a lot. And I said, I have so much to say, but most people don't understand where I'm coming from. They're like, what are you talking about? I was like, well, this is my normal. This is my normal. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, 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 you know, I want to I go back. I was last night at 12 o'clock. I went on Facebook, and I watched so many episodes of, the, of WKRP. And I was, and I was looking at you, going, "My goodness, how cool!" I mean, you were really. We had other people on, you know. We had other shows, but um, just coming from that space, I was just thinking how cool and your timing and and which of these shows, or was it the comedian part, you know, on the stage in the Chitlin Circuit um, with you and Tom? Where did the where did the momentum start for you? I, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's an interesting thing about our business. You know, um, the, every little job has some in the early days has an impact on you, and you learn from each one. And by the time I got WKRP in Cincinnati, I had done a lot of pilots, as we call them, that, you know, test shows that sometimes get picked up. Right. I had done so much pilots, I think I, get, I was qualified to fly an airplane. Uh, it's just <laughs> one after another after another. And when we got to KRP, uh, the, the irony of it is uh, Hollywood was going through the discovery of the black male. You know, uh, could he wear a beard? Uh, could he hair be long? Could he wear an earring on television? All those things were impossible at the time that uh, I was working in television. Matter of fact, the fact that uh, anyone who noticed uh, Venus Flytrap had an earring, just to wear that had to go all the way to New York and, and the, and the uh, executives there had to have a debate as to whether or not I could wear an earring. Could I have a beard? Um, uh, I didn't have a beard in the pilot, but when the series came around, I thought the character should have a beard because, you know, I wanted to express a certain masculinity that was rarely seen on television at that time. And even that had to go to a, a, a debate and a, and a vote. I mean, it was it was much different uh, back then than, of course, now. So much so that nobody would believe some of the things that had to be discussed uh, just for you to put in your, what you wore, how you wore it. Could your shirt be open? Could you put your arm around one of the white characters, a female character? I mean, all of that. Uh, death threats. You know, I had bodyguards a couple times on the show because of a couple scenes that I was in with Lonnie Anderson or Janet Bailey. Uh, the death threats. I mean, it was just an unusual time. But in that time, the years that I spent on the Chitlin circuit, the years that I spent uh, in my life growing up in the, the circumstances and the, the danger and chaos prepared me for that. So it didn't kind of scare me as much as people thought uh, it would. And uh, so I learned a lot in the early days. You know, uh, when I was reading the book and, and I thought about, I remember, I remember going backstage and entertainers would, you know, always call the kids and everybody get a dollar. And that really started the hustle. And I thought about, you, you know, you getting the nickels and the quarters. And, I, and I, the Aunt Bella in the story and I just thought, boy, all of these experiences from your stepfather and the Aunt Bella and the nun and, you know, your mother, you and I talked and we were talking about swag. And then when I was reading about how your mother would make you change clothes often and, and bathe twice a day, she was really meticulous. I thought this is a perfect example 
of we're probably seeing all these pieces unfold in your work. I mean, is that, I mean, you, you which means why you were prepared for some of the aggression or, or discrimination in the industry. I mean, would you say that? Oh, of course. I mean, the, the sort of conflict and survival uh, uh, opportunities that, that, were, that caused me to live through. I mean, I, I lived in uh, a whorehouse. Uh, uh, my Aunt Bell ran, ran the largest one in, in Norfolk, Virginia, where uh, a portion of my life I grew up. You know, I like you say, I danced with nickels and, and, and dimes from the Johns who used to wait before they went in the rooms. Um, that part of my experience, my stepfather was a heroin addict. And all these things that you see as a young kid, the volatility, the, the dangers in life, if you survive them, uh, it'll either break you or make you stronger. And in the case for me, it, it, it hardened me in a way that it was difficult for me for many years to let go of. And so when I got to Hollywood and they came with that, that fake sort of bravado and they tried to, you know, frighten you into existence, I looked at them like they were crazy. I seen danger and, and most of the things that they were trying to throw at me to, to keep me in line just made me laugh and angry. So uh, I had a lot of um, challenges that in Hollywood that really uh, were some of the reasons that I was able to be successful because I had been through danger. I had been through things and seen things. The, the civil rights movement that I, that I grew up part of, I mean, I was part of that. I was uh, the president of SNCC, uh, off-branch of SNCC for a while, then I became president of the student chapter of the NAACP. We were in the streets. We were attacked. Dogs put on us, clan up close and pop. I mean, all those things. You get to Hollywood, and when they try to challenge you or scare you, you look at them and go, you got to be kidding me. Is that all you got? Oh, and I love so, that. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it allows you, me to, I think, rest a little faster than I, I even thought that I would. Um, you know, it, that's such a mirror, because when we look at because you find, as we well know, we have quite a few am- amazing things happening um, mm-hmm. in, in the millennial and the black community and around the world and our, throughout our diaspora. But on the flip side, that's that piece that when you go back, sometimes, you know, I do a lot of volunteer work, and you go to some of these challenging communities, and you're saying, look, Tom Dresden, I'm going to, re- I mean, um, Tim Reed, I'm so sorry, I'm going to really use you as an example of use all these pieces in your life to, to build you and, and prepare you. Because they really don't stop. The bullying, I tell folks, the bullying don't stop in corporate America. It's just that you learn how to deal with it differently. Right. Yeah, it, it, I think I've learned to understand that when people come at you in a certain way, they actually fear you. And I saw it when uh, I saw that kind of racist thing as a weakness from the person who was trying to put it on me. I said, "Ooh, I see where they're coming from. I've seen this up close and personal. I know how to deal with this. So I never took on in Hollywood. And <clears throat> matter of fact, in my life, I never took on the victim role. I always saw that as a weakness, and I saw the people who, who were trying to stop me weak because they feared me. They feared not necessarily me or the, of, uh, of masculinity. What they feared is the potential that I had that I would, I would somehow corrupt or be involved with what they're doing, that whatever I brought to the table, they would have to deal with. And so I used that and understood that and, and would go in with a uh, an offensive uh, approach to it and going, okay, how do I work around this? I've seen this before. And so that helped me uh, maneuver until the point where I realized I couldn't do it anymore because it was changing me. I was becoming sort of a, the, the angry person because, uh, and I, that's when I quit the business for a while 
and bought a farm in Virginia and went back and, and changed my, turned my Mercedes in and bought a tractor and uh, <laughs> moved gravel from one point to another on my farm. <laughs> It's almost like a healing. Well, we're going to go to break in about a minute, but it's interesting that you say that because I'd love to really talk about how did we get from comedy to acting to director, uh, because this reinvention, you know, that's really what we have to do as citizens. We don't get to get that job and stay there for 30 years and get a watch. We have a responsibility now. Yeah, we have a responsibility to, to, to reinvent ourselves. And, and people go kicking and screaming. Um, and I have to say it's even difficult sometimes to get family involved because your family's like, no, you're so stable. Please don't change. And you're like, nope, changes yeah. are coming. Changes you know, are coming. Probably. Changes are coming and you better change. And so after we get from the break, I'd love to shift gears to figure out where that space, because comedy... I mean, that's a different hustle, but it's still a, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yes. 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 And, and, yes. and I and I have that question about, well, I'll, 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 my second part of my question, I'm not going to prepare all the questions right here on air. So we're going to go to commercial. <laughs> we're going to go to commercial and continue to talk to Mr. Extraordinaire, Mr. Tim Reed. See you in a minute. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Do you believe that being fit is difficult? Do you think it requires turning in your favorite comfort foods for boring chicken and broccoli and spending hours in a gym? It doesn't. Tune into Have It All with Devin Alexander. Devin and her guest experts will show you how you can have it all at any age. From relationships to money to thinking bigger than you've ever imagined. Devin will fast track your goals to yummy reality. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. You are listening to Not Just Talk Radio. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to lj at notjusttalkradio.com. Now, back to this week's show. 
Welcome, welcome, not just talk radio around the world, all 150 countries of, of you. Welcome. We're back with, of course, back. Mr. Tim Reed, Emmy-nominated actor, director, producer, and we can't forget comedian and historian, and uh, it just goes on and on. I really feel more comfortable saying Dr. Reed, but um, I don't know how comfortable you feel hearing that, because that actually is the fact. You're really a Dr. Reed now. Kudos, yeah, kudos. Yeah. Thank you. Sometimes the students will, uh, I teach a documentary class at Morgan State University, and they will come up to me and say, Professor, and I'll look around and go, where? Well, who, who's, who, where are <laughs> <laughs> well your history lesson, article. let me tell you, your life makes you a professor, absolutely. But here's a question. How do we get mm-hmm. from comedy um, to acting? Um, you know, uh, that, I, 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 could, I was trying to make that connection. Um, and so how did that happen? Well, as I mentioned uh, uh, briefly, uh, I, I was taught to be a survivor. I, I never had the security. I never had, a, you know, a family structure. Uh, I didn't know who my father was till I was about 9 or 10. And so I never had those things that will make you comfortable, you know, in terms of life that you can accept the privileges that life often gives a, a wonderful, intact family. I never had that. So I was in constant change. Uh, I never lived in one place longer than a couple of years or three years until I finally bought my own house after graduating from college. And so um, structure was not something that, that I was locked into. I was locked into constant change constant dreaming because you don't have anything when you're there and things are not happening. You dream. So one of the things I find missing in young people today uh, and, and even the generation of my kids, um, uh, they have, they have given up the power of dreaming. Uh, you know, uh, I believe in dream and I think and, and accepting change, change is your friend. If you don't change, uh, you will be stagnant or you'll die. You have to change. Change is good. And, that, and that's the way uh, it was part of my life. So uh, I am an ex- uh, a proponent of change and dreaming. And all the things, I mean, for instance, uh, thinking, talking about the Dells and your father and, and Johnny and all those wonderful Vern. When I was a kid, teenager, about 14, 13, running with a, a bad group or whatever, we would stand on the street corner and we would sing, Oh, What a Night. Oh, you know the first ver- the first version you know and i was <laughs> i was the i was the bass i had this one of the stronger voices that uh, that everybody was a little light and i remember singing that and dreaming like oh my goodness and i remember the first night uh, standing on stage after we had performed and watching uh your father and, and the rest of the guys sing that song and i thought my goodness dreams do come true and it's never left me. I mean, the people I had met that I dreamed about meeting, from Sammy to Cosby, all these people, uh, they, dreams brought me to them. Dreams put me in a situation. How do you go from comedy to drama? You dream and you change. I looked at the situation when Tom and I were doing our, uh, we're together for about five to six years. Uh, I looked at him saying, oh, oh, I'm a survivor. We're not making any money. This is not happening. People are not accepting a black and white comedy team in the early 70s. They just weren't prepared for it. The business wasn't prepared for it. And so I said, I can either stay here and, and die and go back to being a businessman or I can change. 
stage. So I decided to do dramatic acting. I said, let me go into acting, see if I can do that. Uh, I was a great improvisationist that I trained for those years with Tom. So that's what got me into acting. And then once I got into acting, I didn't like the images. I didn't like what they were. They were, this is black America. I didn't know. I had never met any of the black people in real life that they were presenting me to play mm. on television. <laughs> and I said, well, I got to do something about that. So I better start writing. So I became a writer, and I got in the Writer's Guild, and I started writing shows. I wrote about three or four of the WKRP episodes. I wrote for Simon and Simon. I, I was part of the creating of Frank's Place. I wrote Snoops. And so then I thought, okay, writing is good, but I've got to have control. How do I produce this? So I became a producer to control. Brilliant. It wasn't that I was Brilliant. going for the money. It was Brilliant. that I wanted more control over the images. And, and when that worked and, and they shut me down and canceled Frank's Place, I was really hurt. I'm going, I don't understand this. Why won't they accept the reality of black America? Why do they keep putting it out in this sort of buffoonish, crazy uh, victimization stuff? So then I said, okay, if they're not going to let me do this, I'll do movies. So I started directing and producing movies. Once upon a time, we were colored asunder, all these movies. Then I said, okay, that's hard. I can't raise that kind of money. So what am I going to do? Am I going to quit? So I built my own studio. I put my money, my millions in my studio, and I started making documentaries. And that's where I found my niche, making these incredible story uh, documentaries about people way before me, back in the day, doing things that now would be ex completely impossible. They were doing it. They were traveling the world, Africa, Europe. Ireland doing things and you know Bessie Coleman getting her she couldn't they wouldn't let her even try to be a, a, a pilot in America what does she do she goes to Paris and right. becomes the first person of color to get a, a, a come back and be able to have flight uh, have a license to fly a plane built her own aircraft studio you know die flying planes you know you look at these people back there and that encourages me it's about change it's about going for it it's about dreaming and i think that more young people need to you know put down the the, the instagram for a minute and dream and then go after those dreams and don't be afraid to change 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 your outfit change your thinking change what you do change the color of you whatever it is you're doing change your your attitude change your your diet Keep changing, and you'll find yourself having an incredible life of so many different things. That's, what I, that's what's happened to me, and old folks taught me that. You know, I was raised by people who did go through the Depression, who fought in World War One and World War Two. So I, I, I had the pleasure of being mentored by the greatest generation to ever live uh, in the modern era. I, I totally agree. You know, it's so funny. T Tony and I were talking earlier. It's and the question is, when I posted your post, um, we were promoting it, and I got some women that said, man, I love him. He looks really sexy. And Tony was like, well, how old is he? Because he looks timeless. Like, what is he doing? And it was so funny because I know he looks yeah. like he's in his 50s, and he's not. I said, the brother has swag. Tim, this, this is Tony. I, I want to know where you get your energy from for all that you have going on, you know. Where does this energy come from? It comes from uh, the spirit. It comes from my spirit. And my spirit was yeah. driven in me by the women who raised me, by the, by the few men who I saw as role models. What they had that I see missing in a lot of the elder people today is spirit. They had incredible spirit. And what I've learned, and people say, well, how do you look so I'll be Next week, I'll be 74 years old. And uh, I said, my 74 is the new 74. 
uh, I am 74, and I earned every year of it, every month of it. I earned it, and I'm proud of it. And I think that, that what keeps me going is I live in the Spirit. The Spirit is eternal. The Spirit does not age. Right. The body decays and dies, but the Spirit is everlasting. You know, uh, whether you call it God, whether you call it whatever it is, the Spirit is day-to-day. The Spirit evolves. So I right. try my best to stay in the Spirit. I try to live day to day. I try to get, you know, I make my adjustments. I make mistakes and I go, okay, what can I do to, to not have that happen again? What can I do to, to settle that debt with, with the spirit world? What can I do? Change my outlook, change my attitude, try something new, move somewhere else. And, and when things shut down in one area, I go somewhere else. I'm spending more time now in Africa than I ever have in all the years. I've been traveling to Africa back in the 70s. I've been going to South Africa, Ethiopia, Cape Verde, uh, Nigeria. You know, I travel. I spend my money rather than putting it in my, in my nose and my arm. I put it into airline tickets and I travel. Right. You know, it's so funny because when you speak about that space, you know, I find that to be, um, Dr. Reed, a very difficult space for so many. And they need to hear this because fear kicks in. And then all of a sudden, I, I always tell faith, plea of little faith. Where is your faith? And um, and so I love the fact. Yep, you're right. You're not panicking. You're evolving. You're changing. We have to change. We have to change. The market's going to change. The planet change. Our bodies change. And so I really appreciate that part. And you mentioned Africa because you're very passionate, passionate about Africa. You and I, <laughs> I was trying to catch up with your passion on our last conversation because I was moving it like a scientist going, wait, a minute, what, wait, you know, this is a moment of change, right? I'm snapping this change. And so. Please share with us what is going on in, in your space now, some of the things you're doing in Africa and your enthusiasm, so we can support you. Well, you know, I do a lot of documentaries in Africa, uh, and um, I travel. I find these little, um, this sort of energy uh, that exists in certain countries, and I, and, I, and I learn from it. I exist in it, and it empowers me and my dreams and my thoughts. Uh, for a while, it was uh, Cape Verde. Uh, I spent a lot of time, years in Cape Verde. I did commercials for the, the then president, and I, I was there for over a five-year period quite a bit. And then I moved over to, um, I hadn't been back to South Africa since I got arrested in South Africa in 81 uh, and, uh, uh, because of the anti-apartheid stuff. But, but I hadn't been back because I got, uh, um, uh, the government went after me and lied and got me in trouble with the, um, uh, with the American group anti-apartheid movement because they lied on me. But it took me 10 years to get that slate clean. And then I said, I want to go back. I went back and I discovered the new South Africa. And I went, whoa, this is great energy. This is where things are happening. So I spent time there. And then through some friendships and, and people I've met in, in this country from Ethiopia, they kept saying, you got to go to Ethiopia. You got to see what's happening. And I hadn't been to Ethiopia in 22 years. I said, well, let me go back. And I went back and my God, I was, the change was breathtaking. I, I couldn't believe that this country that I had seen uh, 22 years ago had incredible. The progress was, it was mind boggling. And that energy there is what's now sort of bubbling in me and, and getting involved. And, and uh, I, was, I, was in a, I was in someone's home uh, and I saw a picture on the wall. And I go, who is that brother? They said, oh, 
that's John Charles Robinson. I said, who is that? He said, he's an American black guy who came over here when we were fighting the fascist Italians. And he created, helped create the Air Corps and went on and helped defeat the, uh, the, the Air Corps, I mean, the, the fascist Italians' uh, uh, fighter planes, downed it so many of them. He was known as the uh, Brown Condor. And this guy then went on, one of the founders of Ethiopian Airlines, an American black guy who decided to, to, to be adventuresome. He wanted to go over and help the Africans fight, you know, fight it for freedom. And ended up being one of the most instrumental parts of the aviation history. I'm going, I enjoy these kind of people, the kind of adventuresome, the challenges, the survival of techniques. Same thing in Paris. I was in Paris in April shooting a documentary on expatriates. I discovered this black guy named Ballard. And this guy went over in, uh, in 1915 and became one of the first people who created the French Air Corps. It's just amazing stories of these Americans, black Americans, going back to Africa and and fighting and and being a. You don't hear those stories. All we hear about is starving children in Africa and victimization Mm -hmm. and colonization. We don't hear about the incredible courage, the incredible structure of some Africans who are changing the world. You know, it's so interesting because, you know, this history has always been here and and we end up knowing a lot of the. Same folks from, uh, you know, we talked about American Legacy and some really great product brands out there that used to share these stories. Um, and when I when I think about it now and what's happening, do you where are we? I mean, we're trying to learn here with you. Um, where do you think we are as a country? I look at it as, um, and it's just my opinion. You know, fortunately, there's a fortunate part to me where we are because now the, it, it's out in the open and the whole world really can see the dirty laundry of the behavior and, and, and the race challenges in America. What do you see? Should we should we pack up and start investing in other countries because we can? And and, and, and how does this work? What do you what are your thoughts? Well, I think uh, let's let's use let's use France as an as an example. At the turn of the 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 twentieth century, when we were leaving our agricultural roots and farming and sharecropping, Paris was the center of the universe for change. It was the it was the place of art. Uh, great artists from Picasso to you know, to, to Luke's, anybody, they were all going to Paris because the energy there was incredible. And a lot of blacks went there then uh, uh, to hang out. Uh, this was before World War I broke out. And then when World War I broke out, blacks in this country wanted to be a part of it. America said, you can't fight. You cannot be a part of it. But they went anyway. And when they got there, they fought with the French in French uniforms because the white uh, troops would not allow them to wear the uniforms. And they were unbelievable Harlem Hellfighters, on and on and on. And guess what happened? Some of them stayed and opened up clubs. And guess what was born? Jazz. So mm-hmm. there was Paris had this energy. Well. There are always places that have incredible energy. You have to find them. Brazil was hot for a while. They had incredible energy. Now I find it in Africa, in places like uh, Ethiopia and Addis. There's an incredible energy there. And people of all races from all other countries are going there and being part of this new gold rush, this, this rush to create something, to be a part of the next thing. Well, if you stay in this country and you get hung up in the social media and you wait for Alexa to tell you when you can go somewhere, you're, you're, you're dead. <laughs> you know, yeah. Alexa, where should I go? Oh, maybe you should go to, you know. I, I, 
I, I, oh, yeah. I, I can't understand why people have, uh, have become so complacently victimized. And we stagnant. have accepted, right. you know, uh, this, this complacency of being a victim. Well, if you feel a victim, change. You know, uh, if you're tired of the hood, pack up your 40 ounces and leave. That's right. You know, tell him, Mr. Tell him, tell him, Mr. You Reed. You know, <laughs> we've got to move on. We've got to be part of the new thing. And there are a few places in the world right now that are bubbling with activity. They're bubbling and a lot of chaos, a lot of confusion. I remember one time I was going to Israel and someone said, and they had just had a, a, a tra- tragic bombing and they said, you're going to Israel? I said, yeah. I was taught that you want to be the quiet and most safe place to be is in the center of the storm. And right now, uh, that's where I'm going. And yeah, I found myself sense. on the West Bank. I found myself in Bethlehem. I found myself all over the place. And I'm thinking, how in the world did I get in? So, so I learned so much, made so many wonderful friends at a time when there was chaos and danger and death. So, you, you, you know, you can get hurt right here in uh, Richmond, Virginia. You can Absolutely. walk out there and somebody knock you in the head. So it's not a part of where danger, danger is everywhere and also opportunity is everywhere. It's so everywhere. I, I tell people, change. Don't be a victim. Don't be complacent. Get out there. Let, let your spirit take you somewhere. Dream. There's only one shot in this life. This is it. This is not this a rehearsal for a better it. life. Well, All this stuff well, about going up in the rapture. I, I, I look at people. I was like, oh, man, I want to go in the rapture. I said, well, first of all, if I was in charge, I wouldn't let you come up there because you didn't do crap <laughs> down there. Because you didn't do right. You didn't lean into your excellence. We're going to go to a commercial because I, I want to come back and talk about because we're almost at the end of the show. I want to talk about what you're doing. Uh, if you want to talk about the fashion and cologne and things like that. But right now we're going to yeah. go to break. Not just talk radio. We'll be right back. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune in to Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel and get Amplified. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers channel. Are you ready for provocative discussions with some of today's most powerful movers and shakers? Tune in to The Art of Significance, featuring Dan Clark, the modern-day Napoleon Hill, who interviews the wealthiest, most successful celebrities and business leaders on the planet, who are using their influence to change the world. From authors to entertainers, sports figures, educators to military leaders, Dan covers multiple topics. Tune in every Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Influencers Channel. 
Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. You are listening to Not Just Talk Radio. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to lj at notjusttalkradio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome, welcome. Ooh, I have chills. We're back, Global World. We're back. Uh, we're Mr. Tim Reed, of course, executive oh, executive of all things, leader of all things. I just absolutely love it. We were talking about change and get off your butt. And I love that comment, Mr. Reed, when you were like, I wouldn't let you up to rapture because you didn't do everything you were supposed to do. I, like, Look at the neighborhoods where you are. You've not changed anything there. Why could you go in heaven mm-hmm. and be accepted? <laughs> it ain't going to happen. You made me a you yeah. made me a believer, <laughs> but now I want to well, talk about because we only have about ten minutes. Please tell I'm okay. so excited to talk about what you're doing now, and I know we're gonna you know we see you in Greenleaf, and when I spoke to you last week, I won't say mm-hmm. unless you're you know unless you're allowed. You were shooting another um, outstanding um, episode of something else, and so but uh, I yes. want everyone to to know um, what um, you're doing. Well, I, I sort of. Um, reestablish myself as an actor a little bit thanks to shows like Greenleaf and Treme and Love Is and those those shows I found myself okay this is fun again let me go back and do that I just finished an episode with um, Mark Oscar uh, nominated uh, uh, Margaret Avery on uh, Grey's Anatomy which will be out actually uh, Valentine's Day next year Um, I'm enjoying that part sort of a reemergence um, a reemergence, I should say, in acting. However, my love is the documentary format. I've created a series that I'm testing in a, uh, in a cable market in uh, D.C., just testing it. I did five episodes of a thing called Legacy of a People. And it, I call it a talkumentary. It's a blend of talk show with, with experts and documentary footage that I've shot around the world. And uh, I'm loving this show, and I want to take this show to Africa. I want to I want to barter and put it in places like Ethiopia, South Africa, and Nigeria, so they can see because their view of Black America, uh, tragically, is uh, not well, what think, we would hope. They don't right, think of I us very that. highly. And so I want them to see that not everyone in Black America is hip hopping their life through and being mm. complacent and asking Siri and Alexa for uh, the for the direction. You know uh, that that some of us with our <laughs> GPS can find their way around this country. And I think that um, it, the thing is that we we have to keep looking for those opportunities. We should always tell our story. We have one of the most incredible stories to ever exist in the history of humankind. I mean, what we have gone through in the last four to 500 years and still, as, as, as Maya say, and still we rise right. you yeah. know, from slave ships mm-hmm. to the White House. I mean, come on. We've got an incredible story. And it's, and it's hidden in plain view. We need to begin to look at ourselves differently, you know, and, and, and let these challenges. Um, uh, you, you talk about going from comedy to drama. The thing that I learned, all the challenges and the frustrations of my life, is that humor always got us through. I come from a family that would laugh at tragedy. Um, <clears throat> I remember the, some of the worst things that ever happened to me, uh, either almost immediately 
humor arose or I was forced into laughing, laughing through the tears. And uh, as a matter of fact, I'm a cancer survivor. The night that I discovered that I, I got a call from my doctor, I returned a call to find out how my test results were. It was about, I will never forget it. It was 6 o'clock in the evening. The doctor says, yes, positive, you do have cancer. And in less than 20 minutes, I was performing comedy before an audience of 3,500 people opening, uh, in, inducing uh, John Legend. And I did a 15-minute comedy, and I thought, this is insane. I just got the worst mm-hmm. news of my life that I may yeah. die, and I'm up here doing 15 minutes of comedy. So it taught me a lesson, you know, it, that you, you, life goes on. If you let it, if you stop it, it will end. It's that simple. And we just have to keep moving. We have to always move. We have to keep changing. We have to look for opportunities. Like the, you mentioned a woman at 56 who quit her business. That don't mean her life is over. I mean, her life has just begun mm-hmm. as a new yes. person. Absolutely. So she has to change. She has to look for ways to, you know, I, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to start a line of, of uh, just an outfit. It's not really a line of clothing. Uh, I have a fashion show that I, I sponsor every year for my institute to raise money. And this year, I'm going to put out a line for people who are over 50, who with some swagger, some style. Mm-hmm. You don't have to mm-hmm. end up waiting to die. You know, the, the actuary tables say that you'd be dead at 76 or 77. You don't have to buy into that. You right. know, you're dead when you stop. Or wear you polyester pantsuits, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you don't, please. We, <laughs> you know, you've got to have some swag. If you got no swag, what's the point? <laughs> you know, especially black people. Absolutely. Don't give up your swag. We, we bring <laughs> style to the world. Jewel must you know, have dated wedding. someone recently with polyester pants. That's how, that's <laughs> how that came out. Please. That was a personal experience. <laughs> I feel very strongly about that. I do have a question, though. Um, I, I've always wondered, you know, um, with Tim and Tom being the only, the first and only black and white comedy duo, why do you think that was? Why was there never any other after you two? The system, the, the, the system of entertainment was structured to, against it. I mean, uh, you know, um, racism is a very profitable business. Uh, on both sides of the fact, fighting it and, 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 and creating it. It's a very profitable business. And so when somebody comes in and wants to upset the apple cart, you know, you, you, you get a lot of apprehension. So here are Tom and I in, in 1969. We just gone through the, 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 um, the Democratic Convention in, in Chicago. Uh, Fred Hampton dead. Martin Luther King dead. Malcolm X. I mean, we were out there trying to make people laugh, uh, and a young man, a young black man, young white man. Matter of fact, Tom was the first white friend I ever had. I never worked for a white person, never had any social mm-hmm. contact with white people, went to all black mm-hmm. schools, because I was raised in segregation. It wasn't my choice. I would have rather been in the Bahamas, but I was in Norfolk, Virginia, living in color town. So, you know, when I went out into the world, I went out with a certain arrogance that I was a survivor. And, and I didn't make white friends readily. Tom was the first one that I, that I met. And there's something about Tom, if you read the book, he's a most unusual person. But his life is, is tragedy. <laughs> so the two of us together decided to do this. And we faced unbelievable. We were attacked. You know, we fought. We would, I was uh, poisoned. Uh, I mean, everything that could happen to two people happened to us. So a lot of folks didn't want to go through that. The fact that it hasn't happened since then has more to say about the racial climate in this country than it does about show business. And uh, it it takes something to go out and do that, especially now when we're so politically correct. 
you know, yeah. how in the world can a black guy in Hawaii go out on stage, and especially with the with the kind of comedy that's coming out of the mouths of these so called comics today, you know, it, it it it's 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 not an easy task to write uh, strong, funny material to make people uh, relax and be entertained and laugh out. It's it's not an easy job. Uh, we managed to do it for five or six years. We didn't make a lot of money. That's one of the reasons that I I wanted to move on because I don't like poverty. I was in it too long. I swore <laughs> if I ever got out of poverty, I would eat pork, and I would never be poor again. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, uh, I, I love that. We did have a caller, we, uh, Chuck, out of Dallas, and we weren't able to take the caller, but... Um, and we only have about we have about two minutes, but um, that was a great question, Tina and, and Tony. Um, you know what? I, I wanted to I wanted to ask you. Your mother was Tina Wilkins, right? What would Tina Wilkins say right now about her her son? <laughs> My mother was a fiery woman. She was um, uh, she was. Um, a woman who never got a break. She really was abused uh, by men. She was, but one of the most creative people. And um, the day before my mother died, I was in my property at the time I was living in California. I was building a brick wall. Uh, I was going through some stuff, and whenever I go through that, I try to be active. So I went out to be creative, and I was building a, a cement wall and putting in bricks. And she came out. She said, what are you doing? I said, I'm building this wall. She said, why? I said, because I got to do something with this, this energy. She said, who taught you how to do that? And I looked at her and for the, I said, you did. My mother taught me she could do anything with her hand. She could make furniture. She could, she could sew. She could make hats. I said, you did. And the pride in her face, I, have, I will never forget. My mother died the next day accidentally. She had an aneurysm. And I will never forget the joy in her face. My mother would be so happy, and she'd be in it. She'd be running something in my life. I know she would, I, you know. Uh, and and uh, one of my favorite things was I was working with then uh, Ronald Reagan on an anti-drug program, and when I tried to have the obituary of my mother put in the variety, um, as they do sometimes, the, the, the mothers and fathers of celebrities, they talk about it when they pass, variety wouldn't do it. And I was so angry that they would not give my mother a shout out in, in the obituary section. And that same day, I was so angry, I was frustrated, the doorbell rang, and it was Western Union. And I got a telegram from Ronald and Nancy Reagan on the death of my mother. Yeah. And so yeah. for my mother, this poor little woman, to have a, a, a telegram about her death, well, I, when I took her home, to have a, a, um, a session with her groups, the, the tits and all the people that are there. I read that telegram and the pride okay. in that room for those women who are my mother's age. You see, here's this old poor woman, uh, never had a break, never made any money, worked in people's homes, and here she is being lauded by the President of the United States. I will n- never forget that. My mother was, was an incredible woman. Well, we're ne- we're gonna never forget her. So we want to thank Tina for for all the work and sacrifice. And we're at the end of the hour. I want to tell you we love you for your contributions. We thank you. You encourage us. Clearly, you are not just talk. And you, we're going to hear a lot more from you because you're a friend of the show. There's no way we're going to ever let Dr. Tim Reed go. So thank you for joining us. And thank you thank for you. your spirit and your yeah. energy and making over over 70 look good. I'm not yeah. ready yet, but thank you and happy birthday to you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. 
Thank you for tuning in to Not Just Talk Radio. You'll want to check out the next edition of the show next Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel.